0: Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Find out how RAIN can help you stay ahead of global events at rainnetwork.com. This
1: is the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from RAIN. I'm Emily Donahue. Welcome aboard. Today we're going to talk about Brazil. Brazil has the largest economy in South America. In fact, it's the ninth largest economy in the world. And as big as it is, it would be amazing if Brazil did not have some internal political divisions. Of course, its flamboyantly conservative president Bolsonaro has made headlines during the last few years. But now he's facing a challenger for his job. In fact, there's a presidential election in just about three months. Carmen Colosi can guide us through what's happening. She's a Latin America analyst with Rain. Welcome, Carmen. Thank you
0: so much for having me, Emily.
1: It's always a pleasure to have you here. Can you give me some background on the two candidates for president and why anybody should be paying attention?
0: Sure. So first we have Jair Bolsonaro. He is the current Brazilian president, was elected back in 2018 and has served um, in Congress for a very, very long time. So kind of somewhat of a career politician on paper, but in actuality, he's been, you know, quite an outsider voice. So he's not really um, gotten along with people in his coalitions. And he is well known for his kind of bombastic rhetoric. The other main presidential candidate is Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva, who is very commonly known as Lula. So Lula is, again, a career politician. He served as president previously and is really well known for his work in the labor unions. Um, he himself was a kind of union leader and really came to power on the back of the labor vote in Brazil now these two candidates are most likely going to be the two leading candidates in the presidency they're are a few other ones that are polling at a very very small percentage but really unless there is a large and kind of seismic event in brazil um, one of the two is going to be brazil's next president now brazil as you mentioned is the um one of the largest economies in latin america and you know the the country has really been experiencing a significant um, slow in its economic growth. So, of course, um, the economy slowed during COVID, but it's been really difficult for Brazil in these past couple years. Um, last year, Brazil saw a kind of a post-COVID boom of 5%, but this year, the economy is projected only to grow 0.6%. And Even in next year, in 2023, we're likely to have a very small percentage of growth. So the question here is, will Brazil's next president really be able to push the country into a better economic position or will Brazil kind of fall in in terms and relations with its other top economies around the world?
1: Wow, that's pretty dramatic. What can you tell me about concerns that I've heard that the election is being defined as fraudulent? Where's that coming from?
0: That's a great question. So there's a few different mechanisms here that are pushing this narrative that the elections could be fraudulent. First is Bolsonaro himself. So he, for a very long time, has pushed a narrative that the court's the electoral institutions are rigged against him, that the electronic voting system that the country used uses should be replaced with a um, paper ballot system, that that would be more credible. Um, and, you know, Bolsonaro has honestly made some quite uh, brash statements saying things like the only entity that can remove me from the presidency is um, a god. So this, these kind of discussions are, are things that are really pandering towards the second driver, which is the fact that Brazil is facing high levels of um, miss and disinformation being spread over a, a, a multitude of apps, but mainly WhatsApp and Telegram messaging apps. And these are not just small, you know, Stories that are going around. These are large, manufactured misinformation campaigns that um, really do favor Bolsonaro over Lula. There are some is some pro-leftist uh, disinformation campaigns, but the majority is really in favor of Bolsonaro. And so when he comes out with these kind of large and bombastic statements, that's really kind of feeding into the amount of misinformation that is circulating online and in Brazil. The third driver is an interesting one. It's the military. So the military, um, ever since the dictatorship, essentially said that they were not going to interfere in elections. And this is the first year that the military has kind of raised their concerns about um, vulnerabilities in the voting system. This is an interesting aspect in that it, it really kind of does lend um, a, a bit of concern to us here at Rain that if the military is kind of raising these concerns, there could be a plot or a, um, an agreement to push a, a broader narrative around the voting system in Brazil.
1: So, talk about some signposts that we should be looking out for if, in fact, the results of the election were to be contested.
0: Sure. To look at this, I really would like to start with looking at the polling. Current polls put Lula about 15 to 19 points ahead of Bolsonaro. So, this is quite a significant margin, quite a significant um, amount. But We do see Bolsonaro trying to do things to, again, push economic stimulus like the economic stimulus package they passed last week on the 13th that could sway some middle and lower income voters towards Bolsonaro. So again, we are three months out. We could see Bolsonaro rise in the polls. If Bolsonaro's chances do rise in the polls and the election becomes a closer race that could be something where it would be a lot more credible for Bolsonaro to uh, potentially contest the election and um, have that be a credible kind of idea in many people's minds than if it was by a wider margin. The second are the um, electoral institutions. When you look at the electoral institutions, they're being led by... um, you know, very independent people. So these are people that are not really willing to be swayed. Great example of this is that the Superior Electoral Court is going to be led by Supreme Court Justice Alexandra de Moraes. And de Moraes is Supreme Court Justice that is fairly impartial, um, fairly able to um, push back against Bolsonaro. So that does create Uh, potential tensions between Bolsonaro and the electoral institutions, but that really does mean that the electoral institutions are not likely to be swayed by the Bolsonaro administration. Um, The third is the military, like I talked about earlier. Um, The military has come out with some concerns about the voting system, but we've seen time and time again from top um, military commanders that they are not willing to really get involved in the outcome of the election. So many are saying, while well, we do have these concerns uh, ahead of the election, we're not willing to get involved in the aftermath. So that is um, something that we're really looking at of saying that, okay, because we do have this understanding that the military is is not willing and ready to to support a contested election and kind of push that uh, narrative that that's something that we're not likely to see again if any of these three factors start to shift ahead of the election that's something where we could see a potential contested election scenario and not just a contested election but an election that could be um, potentially overturned, depending on how much these factors do shift.
1: Wow, Carmen, that's a lot going on in three months. Uh, We'll check back with you soon on that. Thanks,
0: Carmen. Thank you so much for having me, Emily.
1: Carmen Colosi is a Latin America analyst with RAIN. You can read about Brazil's election in RAIN Worldview, that is RAIN's geopolitical intelligence solution. Learn about RAIN's risk management products like RAIN Worldview at RAINNETWORK.com. That's R A N E NETWORK.com. I'm Emily Donahue, and I thank you for listening.